are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you once again on this Tuesday episode. No, it's a Wednesday episode of the program. I, I got to admit, I'm in zombie mode, being a dad here, uh, not a lot of sleep. Forgot what day it was. It's actually Wednesday, which means training camp is opening. Players, rookies, veterans, all of them are reporting to 49ers training camp. Practices start tomorrow. My guest today on the program is Chris Wilson. He's been previewing those position groups going position by position on LockedOn49ers.com just as I have been here on the podcast. So we're going to talk to Chris about what he's learned as he's studied these positions and looked at uh, what the 49ers did in the offseason and getting ready for training camp, which is now opening and football is here and some games are not too far away. Next Thursday, we've got the Hall of Fame game already. It'll be the Bears and the Ravens. So football is getting close and it actually... Uh, is opening now in training camp for most of the teams around the league. We'll get to Chris very shortly here. I do want to remind everybody to subscribe, rate, review the show. We're on iTunes. Thank you to everybody who's out there uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes. It really helps us get found by more people. We're also on Spotify and everywhere you can find podcasts. You can find Locked On 49ers and all the podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can email the show, LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. And now, let's get to today's guest. Chris Wilson, he is the lead writer at LockedOn49ers.com, putting up great content on the website. And the most recent stuff that you've probably read is the position-by-position previews for the upcoming training camp, which opens I guess today, if you are <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday morning. Players right now are reporting as we speak to training camp for the 49ers. Practices begin tomorrow. And uh, Chris Wilson at the .com has been doing position-by-position overviews for the 49ers, and I've been doing them here on the podcast. And then um, my favorite thing that Chris has done – by the way, welcome to the show once again, Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on. <laughs> so my favorite thing, and for the 49ers fans, I'm, I think I need to somehow pin it back to the top of – LockedOn49ers.com, but my favorite piece you've ever done there is the one about Jimmy Garoppolo and the points per drive and the yards per drive statistic, which was which was awesome, and it was picked up by you know NFL.com, and, and a lot of people read this article, and it's a really cool piece. So for those of you uh, who are not familiar with LockedOn49ers.com, head over there. There's all kinds of articles about different things from myself, from Chris Wilson, from our newest contributor, John Chick, and then, uh, yeah, go back and search for that Jimmy Garoppolo yards per drive and points per drive statistic because it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that was definitely uh, um, some interesting statistics that I, that I ran across when I was when I was crunching the numbers, and uh, I had to I had to check it and recheck it a couple of times to make sure that that, uh, that I wasn't doing something wrong. Because I'm like, how's this guy better than Tom Brady? I mean, yeah, with, with all the recent controversy, I don't want to uh, right. I don't want to say that. So well, we all know. I, I, I see what happens to people who say that, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just amazing that he's uh, that he's um, you know was just able to turn a team around so quickly and and you know take an offense that was totally dormant and then make it into the most potent offense in the NFL. It's, um, it's pretty amazing. It's just, you know, as a, uh, as a fan just hopes that I hope that he can, uh, he can continue it. And uh, it's not, you know, probably not going to be necessarily at that rate, but um, if he can continue at playing at that, uh, that high level, 
um, it'd be fun to be a 49ers fan here in the uh, near future, hope for a long, long time. Yeah, and it's unreal for both those yards per drive and points per drive that the 49ers were bottom five in the league basically all year. Jimmy Garoppolo shows up, and he was number one by far in the league. Better than Breeze, better than Brady. Um, and that was without the 49ers being able to put the ball in the end zone, settled for a lot of field goals with drives of sort of petering out there as they, they reached the red zone. And so, I mean, when we were when it was happening real time, too, you know, looking around and like, is this really happening? Uh, the 49ers going 5-0 and now. And even from the moment he first stepped on the field, that's the, the one moment that really shines for me is how the 49ers were grinding through that Seattle game. And then uh, C.J. Beathard got hurt. And Jim Garoppolo rolls in. He's like, bloop, bloop, touchdown. It's that easy. And it just looked so simple. And he was like, wait a second, that looked too easy. And then he did it for five more weeks. And so if, if he continues what we saw last year, and there's no reason to believe that wasn't for real with a full offseason uh, with Kyle Shanahan, I mean, the sky really is the limit. And, I'm, you know, the better than Tom Brady stuff, I love the confidence. <laughs> and I love how that little uh, nugget is sort of taking a life of its own. But, man, this – from – from everything I've seen, I fully believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, and the hype is real. Even though I do want to kind of dampen that that hype just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm I'm with you because I, I can't. As amazing as he was last year, um, it's going to be hard for him to to replicate that um, year after year. I mean, it's not to say he can't improve in some areas. You know, specifically um, getting handful of picks there that uh, yeah that um, probably shouldn't have been thrown or, or shouldn't have happened, and then you know he, he had uh, some opportunities in the end zone that he didn't uh, capitalize on. Um, so he, he does have various, yeah, uh, areas to improve, but, um, yeah, I, I'm sort of the same way. Like I, I believe, but at the same time, you know, it's, uh, it, I'm just hoping that uh, a lot of fans after, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, uh, one loss or two, two consecutive losses don't, uh, you know, stop believing in, uh, in Jimmy. And, um, I think the Niners are in a good spot with a, uh, with, with a bag of quarterback who's, um, you know, who, who may have a future, you know, sometime, sometime in, in the distant future, but isn't a, uh, yeah, a direct uh, direct competitor to uh, to Garoppolo in the short term. So just knowing that he'll be um, out there you know, as long as he's healthy out there every week, um, you know, sixteen weeks, um, and the fact that he has that yeah you know, the, the fire that he's, uh, that he's spoken about in the last couple of days. Yeah, it's, uh, I think I think the uh, the Forty are in a perfect uh, quarterback uh, situation going into uh, two thousand eighteen. Absolutely, and um, and actually, real quick before we get back to the 49ers and those position by position overviews and some of your thoughts as you went through these positions, uh, what about the Rams contract with Todd Gurley? First Brandon Cooks, now Todd Gurley getting a mega contract for a running back. Uh, they still have some work to do with Aaron Donald, who's probably thinking, uh, "What's going on over here? Where's my money?" But man, uh, Todd Gurley getting paid. Yeah, yeah. As as a Forty ers fan, you know, just looking at Gurley's you know, contract situation going into it, 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 they didn't really have a, a need to do it in the short term. So, so for me, I, I really like it, like it just for the fact that uh, it's, it's sort of uh, poking the bear with Donald because uh, <laughs> guarantee he does not appreciate seeing all these uh, these other players who were. Uh, I mean, obviously Gurley's a uh, he's been a star, you know, as, uh, every every year but one in the league. Um, but yeah, I'll, you know these guys are just getting mega deals. But the girlies is like four, four for sixty, like forty-five guaranteed. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, the crazy contract with Cooks was was five for eighty with like fifty million guaranteed. So it's yeah. If I'm Donald and I'm looking for the uh, for a little bit more than just my uh, fifth-year option uh, uh, payment, and uh, I really want a um, you know the team to, uh, to you know to show their love, then uh, I'm not a very happy camper today. Right. And you know who is happy, though, is Le'Veon Bell, even though he wasn't the one that got paid. Uh, he had a shout out on Twitter. He's like he uh, quote tweeted 
the the breaking news about Todd Gurley's four year, sixty million dollar contract, and he said, "Yeah, Todd," and then he said, uh, "Laugh out loud," and people thought I was tripping. So uh, yeah, I think basically take that, add ten more million, and that's what Le'Veon Bell's going to end up getting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like no, no one's really expecting the Rams to set the uh, set, set the uh, the ceiling for uh, for running back salary. But yeah, I, I saw that tweet as well, and I think what David Johnson you know, said something similar to him. I, right. It, pretty much every uh, top end uh, running back in the NFL is, uh, is, is high fiving you know, either uh, in real life or, or virtually after that. The huge contract numbers. Absolutely. And, and, and again, like I think he was only supposed to make like four and a half million uh, this year. Um, it, it would have made a lot more sense if, uh, you know, the Rams, because the Rams have a lot of uh, cap space in 2019, but like barely anything in 2018. So I, I'm interested to see how they're going to structure his, his contract. Cause I can't imagine they're going to give him much less than they've, you know, than they're going to give him this next year. So I, I don't really don't know what the purpose of it was. It, to me, it would make a lot more sense to wait until um, sometime during the season, or at least till after you, um, you, you give uh, Donald the contract that you're that I'm, I'm assuming at some point they're going to give him. Right, and so if you pay Donald, then that means one year behind Gurley is Jared Goff, and so now next yep, offseason, yeah, yeah. so that that they kind of made that go up a year too. If they waited, then they could have waited till after next season for Goff. Now they might have to do Goff before this season, like they did with Gurley, or before next season, like they did with Gurley this year. So a lot of money and a lot of big personalities. That Rams thing, it could go a lot of directions. I mean, do you? I mean, on paper, they're amazing, and they're going to be a really good football team. But uh, what are your feelings there on the Rams? Are, are are you? Would you be at all worried if you're a Rams fan that maybe there's some things that could blow up there? Yeah, I mean, if I were a Rams fan, I would be. I would definitely have some concerns. I mean, a lot, a lot of personalities in the uh, in the locker room. A lot of uh, interesting characters who've had you know had some issues in the past. Um, but then, of course, on the other hand, you have to look at all the talent on the field. If I were Rams fan, I'd be pretty happy with with all those uh, all those you know, all those players with, uh, with previous accolades and, uh, and potential for the future. I mean, they have a pair of uh, new cornerbacks who look good. Um, I mean, they have a lot of players who are who are just signed or, or just have contracts up to this, this upcoming season. Um, you know, they're, they're likely for the team to to keep and you know maybe gone the following year. So they're definitely going for broke. I'm not the hugest uh, fan of their of their GM. He's done some stuff well, some stuff not. He did, did, did a good job against the Skins, but uh, he's done some things that have been uh, been questionable. But uh, he's definitely going for Brooks. I mean, he, he definitely sees that the uh, the time frame for the team to, uh, to you know to capitalize on Goff's rookie contract is uh, you know is closing in shortly. So he's going for broke this year. So yeah, it, it could really really go either way. They could be you know an unstoppable team or. You know, they, you know, they, they get they get handed a couple early season losses, and then there's turmoil in the locker room. So it's uh, it's definitely gonna be an interesting season um, for them. It's gonna be, I'm interested to see if if golf is uh, is the quarterback he was last year or the quarterback he was the previous year. But with golf, he, he, I mean, he's yeah, you know, I, I like him in college. Like him coming in the league, but after after his first year, I, I knew he had to improve somewhat. I didn't really expect him to improve as much as he did last year. So be interested to see if he uh, continues it going forward. Right, and even if the Rams do jump out of the gate and are really good in the short term with all those mega contracts, they're going to have to give one to Goff, give one to Donald. How do they fit in the structure of players and who do they have to lose as a result? So long-term money is going to be a problem, even if everything does work out for them. Chris Wilson, my guest today, he is the lead writer for LockedOn49ers.com. Uh, don't want to spend too much time on the Rams because we've got to talk 49ers here, and uh, I want to move forward to the offensive side of the ball. 
Chris, uh, you did the position-by-position overviews. We've gotten through the offense, did them on the podcast as well. Uh, I want to ask you if anything stood out to you when you looked at those position groups on offense as you went through the team. Did anything jump out to you, like something that you were worried about or maybe a theme that you thought, okay, I kind of see where Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are are building this thing? Yeah, most of it seemed um, inconsistent with what what I know from Shanahan. what I know that he likes and what he doesn't like from his, uh, his past history in the league. Uh, one thing that I did think was weird was their, um, they, they, they really didn't try to upgrade the, uh, the tight end position. I'm not saying that, you know, last year that their tight ends played very well, especially for, you know, a fifth round, uh, rookie. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, it, the, uh, I, <laughs> the guy who was, who used to be the second best, uh, Selig brother. Um, so it's um, it, to me it's a little interesting that they didn't go out and try to find a third guy because you know, Paul from last year um, I think he had like a like one target and one drop. So I mean didn't catch a ball. Um, you know Higginsini is is you know a guy who only only was uh, active for a handful of games after starting the year in the practice squad. So I'm not really sure what they're do you know what what his his, his master plan is there. So they, they really don't have a you know a big blocking tight end like Paulson. Um, I mean, one thing I did, did uh, you know, looked at you know, the differences between his uh, offense in San Francisco last year and then the uh, offense with the Falcons. His, uh, his last year with the Falcons, they're their top year when they had one of the top offenses in the uh, history of the league. They used uh, three tight end sets like, extremely heavily, like more than anyone else in the league. They threw out its three tight end sets more than anyone else in the league. And last year's Niners barely used uh, you know, 13 personnel at all. So they really seem to incorporate um, – the fullback into more of a tight end type role. Um, and so I, I guess that, uh, you know, Lynch's statements about using uh, juice as a, uh, as an offensive weapon right. sort of came to fruition because you know, they really did have him, you know, running patterns down, down the field, you know, remember a couple of those, uh, those uh, tosses down the, uh, down the sideline to, yeah. him, you know, a position that uh, on the field that, you know, a, a fullback is you know, very, very rarely in. They, they really used him a lot more like a tight end than, uh, you know, than, um, than other fullbacks in the league. So he really is, even though he's, you know, extremely high paid specifically for a, uh, for a fullback, you know, the fact that they use him somewhat as a tight end, it does sort of justify the, you know, the amount of money that they're paying him. So you know, I guess the question for me would be if someone like him, if he were to go down or if, um, you know, if one of the other two top tight ends would go down, I wonder how Shanahan would uh, adapt his, uh, his offense, whether he'd go heavy wide receiver or what he would do. So, um, I mean, that's, that was one thing that was sort of surprised. I thought they'd at least bring in some, some veterans, some, because, you know, it's fairly easy to find a, a blocking tight end who can catch a handful of passes. Um, so and maybe, maybe that's something that they'll do later in the, uh, in the, um, in the preseason, depending on how uh, Hikatini um, progresses. But yeah, that, that was one of the major issues that made me question what his plans are for the future. I think you hit on it there with the versatility. And when you add, Kyle Juszczyk to that, and I think you can consider him sort of part of the tight end group, the way he's used and how he can be moved around. And then with Selleck and Kittle, both of those guys have proven that they can block a little, they can catch a little. And I think with George Kittle, they basically saw him as, okay, well, this is the guy we want on the field a lot going forward. Like, this is our tight end, right, of the future, basically. So um, with that, I think they're just saying – Look, Selleck is well, – basically they can all block, they can all catch. And so they didn't really feel the need to add, I think, probably just because they're like, well, where would we put a veteran on the field? And I think you hit on it as well with the injuries. Now, if there's an injury, 
and Hikatini doesn't look like he's going to stick, then I think they have the opportunity to add somebody. And that guy would still probably be more of a blocking tight end. So I think you can wait there. But um, I really love Kittle. And I think it's, I love that they had the confidence in Kittle and they like Selleck and they're going to move forward and move these guys around a lot. And that's one of the things I'm really going to look for in preseason and sort of, uh, I, I don't know if they'll show their hand that much in the preseason or, you know, in, in practices when I'm watching some of the practices that I'm going to check out this year or some of the beat writers that are there all the time and see how these guys are being used. Because I'm really interested to see, uh, like you mentioned, if they go a little bit heavier and have all three of those guys, Juice, Kittle, and Selleck on the field at the same time, or if it's just going to be a straight-up one tight end offense and they're going to really spread things out a little bit more with more receivers and moving. I mean, because the running back situation, those guys can all move around, especially Jarek McKinnon is a good receiver. So really Kyle Shanahan just has a lot of bullets and a lot of uh, weapons to use in in various ways and a lot of guys that can do a lot of things, even though maybe they don't have, you know, from the outside looking in, they don't have that big Julio Jones or that that guy, that Todd Gurley or whoever, they don't have a big name player where you're like, this guy's going to get all the targets. This guy's going to get all the carries. And so to that point, uh, I got to ask you, do you believe John Lynch's strategy of sort of building the roster a little bit slowly in contrast to the Rams? Have they done enough on the offensive side of the ball, especially at those skill positions aside from tight end? Uh, I mean, I, I think that they have it and, and um, only because of Garoppolo. I mean, I, I think that they didn't until Garoppolo came along and was sort of uh, representative in the, the lack of wins. But, you know, with, with Garoppolo and his accuracy, um, I mean, he, he makes Marquise Goodwin, who was, you know, the Bills wanted nothing to do with him, and suddenly he's a, you know, a, a top-end uh, yeah, potential number-one receiver. And, um, you know, a guy like you know, Trent Taylor, who's, you know, fallen to the, uh, the fifth round because he doesn't have the uh, – yeah, you know the, the size and the, the hand size and the uh, and the uh, the wingspan that the the, uh, the most GMs want, and then you know you you pair him with uh, Garoppolo and he's absolutely unstoppable on third downs. So it's um it's you know it's like it's the you know the, the Garoppolo raises all tides uh, um, <laughs> um, statement that we've heard, heard a lot this offseason, and, and uh, I mean I, I think it really is true. So I mean, for me, if I were John Lynch, I'd be worried more than anything about not even adding offensive playmakers to a to field, but just protecting him and making sure that you have linemen who are going to keep him upright. Um, you know, the, you know, the whole getting rid of Trent Brown. I mean, I guess, I guess they, they have the trust in the, in the rookie to, uh, to step into that, that, that important role of tackle. Um, but yeah, but I mean, that, that's going to be the, the, the number one thing is that, you know, the four is going to win football games this year if they have Grappolo on the field. So, so they just need to keep him on the field. And, you know, if you throw to Garcelle, you throw to Goodman, you throw even to a rookie like Pettis or, uh, or your boy, uh, Richie James. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he, he made Selleck. He, he, uh, he created Selleck time. So, I mean, if you, if you, if you can make a, uh, a run blocking tight end like Selleck, uh, a, uh, a, a guy with his, uh, his, his, own, uh, his own saying, then uh, I'm pretty sure he can do it with uh, any type of position player who's an NFL caliber player. So yeah, just, just keep Garoppolo upright, and I think the, uh, the Niners offense is going to be fine this year. Yeah, that's how good Garoppolo is. He made uh, Garrett Selleck into the best tight end in his own family. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> the, uh, the rising Garoppolo lifts all motorboats, I believe, is the saying. Okay. I'll have to remember the next article, right? It might need some work. We can work on that a little bit. Uh, Chris Wilson joining me here on Locked On 49ers. Don't forget to uh, stay here on Locked On 49ers. We're coming at you daily with podcasts throughout 
the season and the off season. And uh, go to Locked On Podcast Network for all your needs. Tell your friends that are fans of various teams. We've got all teams covered: NFL, NBA, and getting more podcasts for Major League Baseball as well. Okay, Chris, let's let's look at the defensive side of the ball here. And uh, by the way, which we're going to start dropping the articles on the defensive side of the ball. Which which uh, which one are you going to post first there? Yeah, I think we're going to look uh, D line first because um, you know, you spoke a little bit about uh, about the secondary. I mean, definitely a lot of questions there, but I think defensive line is one of the one of the most most important uh, positions on on the field or set set of positions on the field this year uh, as far as whether the uh, you know the, the team's going to be successful outside of Garoppolo. Um, I mean, they're really going to need to put uh, pressure on the quarterback. You know, they did it well at times last year. They're going to do it consistently, and they're going to actually have to you know get to the quarterback as opposed to just uh, just hurrying them like they did a lot last year. So right. um, I mean, there are definitely a lot of question marks. Uh, I was surprised that they got, pretty much everyone was surprised they didn't add, add a uh, edge rusher in the in the draft, specifically early in the draft. Um, you know, they do have some some guys with potential. Um, and you know they have some some young players, you know, young former first round guys. Like said, you know, in three uh, consecutive years that they can, um, you know, they're hoping these guys will uh, progress a little bit more. And then you know, when you when you add it all up, you you get a pretty uh, a pretty potent pass rush. But um, you know, they're really gonna need guys like Armstead to uh, stay healthy, and then and then you know, someone like a like a Thomas to to you know take that step up and and uh, and, and play like the uh, early uh, first round draft pick that he was. Yeah, and even without the addition of an edge rusher, I think that can be a much better pass rushing group just because of the development of Buckner and Solomon Thomas, and, and they can really create a lot of pressure inside, and they, they will get some pressure on the outside. I, it's not that I don't like Cassius Marsh and Jeremiah Taushu. Taushu I loved coming out of college, and he does have a lot of burst off the edge, but uh, I pr- prefer to have them more rotational guys than, than being the number one and two pass rushers on the outside, but they can still get a lot better. And I think there's going to be a lot more sacks to come, especially from DeForest Buckner. And so, uh, and I think it's going to be a, a very good run blocking or run stopping group as well on when they go to, uh, when they, when teams try to spread it out on them. And I, I think the nose tackle position is the one position I'm looking at a, a camp battle. Earl Mitchell is making a chunk of change, and I wonder if DJ Jones could potentially beat him out. And I don't know if the team wants to still carry two nose tackles. I don't know if it's worth having a backup nose with how uh, little teams are in base offenses to go against these days, but you do need some big bodies in there for goal line too. So uh, that'll be an interesting competition to see if DJ Jones is ready to go. And then um, – yeah, that that interior group, because I think aside from playing against Russell Wilson, who loves to escape through the back door, and if you don't have someone that can corral him on the outside and run him down, uh, he makes life miserable, even if you are creating pressure. But I think for most of the other quarterbacks in the league, uh, interior pressure is is a really great job or a really great way to disrupt quarterbacks. So uh, hopefully that does take that next step and just, you know, just create, like you said, creating the turning pressure into sacks and into hits. I think that's the big thing. And then creating more turnovers that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah I, I totally agree that interior, interior pass rush is, is uh, the quarterbacks hate that a lot more than, uh, than the pass rush from the outside where they can just step up in the pocket. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you, uh, if you have pressure in your face, that's the worst thing for a, for a quarterback. And, and I mean, the Niners, they do have a, a great, uh, great set of, um, of interior pass rushers. Um, I mean, the, the fact that when even Armstead, when, when he's healthy, and I know a lot of uh, fans have sort of uh, lost faith in him, 
you know, when he when he's healthy, he's one of the better interior pass rushers uh, in the NFL. You know, specifically on um, on you know obvious passing downs. He's not not really a guy you want to want to have him three technique too much if it's a, uh, if it's a you know, when you're playing an early bounce. But you have him three technique on, on passing downs. He's you know extremely effective. So um, and, and you know I'm I'm with you on the uh, on the uh, the nose tackle battle. I, I think there there will be a, a battle there in nose tackle this year. And and I'd be very very surprised if they kept. Mitchell and one other guy. Um, just the fact that you know Mitchell's a lot more effective in in the pass game than he is in the run game. So if uh, Jones or if they want to bring someone else in who's uh, you know who's more of a traditional you know big nose who's a, a run stopper as opposed to a uh, you know a, a, a nose who can brush the pass or or, or as Salah likes to uh, to do at times um, you know dropping back into coverage. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the their their uh, the running defense would be a little bit better if they had a guy who was um, a little more stout there in the middle. So um, you know, hopefully Jones Jones is that guy. Um, you, know, you know, if he's not, um, yeah, I wouldn't mind them bringing someone else in. As much as I like um, Mitchell's uh, ability to pressure in the inside, um, yeah, I, I sort of when I think about that position, I'm thinking about you know a, a big big run stopping uh, guy as opposed to a, a guy who's a who's a pass presence. Yeah, I totally agree. And Earl Mitchell. Um, was graded really poorly at Pro Football Focus as well as as a run stopper. So, um, and then that's another guy, and he creates pressure inside. Eric Armstead, like you mentioned, he graded out really well, really initially as he, when he came into the league. Uh, given uh, again, another guy who gets a lot of pressures, but maybe not the sacks. You got Sheldon Day working in inside. Ronald Blair is sort of an outside inside rusher. So they've got a they have plenty of inside rushers. So yeah, finding that one guy who's stout against the run and a true nose tackle, I think is pretty key for the run defense. And then uh, we'll see how that pass rush progresses. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you, Chris, before we get out of here is, um, let's put it this way. If blank happens, the 49ers are in trouble. And then if blank happens, the 49ers are a playoff lock. I don't, I don't want any wishy-washy in the middle. I want either the 49ers are screwed if blank happens and the 49ers are a lock for the playoff if blank happens. Let's start with the the bad news first. If the Forty ers yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm just thinking. I don't even want to say it, but it, you know, if Garoppolo gets hurt, you know, they're they're in deep deep trouble because I, I think if they, if he gets hurt, they, they go back to the team they were before him. Um, they haven't made they haven't made huge strides in, in other positions. I mean, they're like you said uh, um, earlier. You know. Lynch is taking his time with this uh, re, you know, with this rebuild, and you know, it was just put into overdrive drive with the addition of Garoppolo. But if he goes down and, and Beathard's the quarterback back there, um, I mean, he'll probably be a little bit better than he was last year. But you know, the the Niners would be in pretty pretty deep trouble. Um, I mean, I guess maybe the one positive is they have more more pass catching backs out of the backfield, most specifically in McKinnon, um, with, who uh, Beathard really relied on heavily. Uh, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde last last year when he was uh, when he was with the team, um, so so that that would that would be the, the one thing that no 49ers fan wants to see, and and the one thing that would uh, you know turn a potential playoff team into um, you know, into a team that's very difficult to watch. Yeah, and you can't forget that they gutted this entire roster before last season. I think there was only 13 holdover players from the pre Shanahan Lynch era, and I don't even know if any of them has gotten a contract with more years i think uh joe staley got more money but for the same length right he was already signed for two more years after this year if i'm not mistaken so um this is a it was a complete rebuild and the fact that they're already expected to win and the fact that they started winning at the end of the last season 
Um, I think that that rebuild sort of just got faster, even though they didn't really try to make it go faster. It just happened. And that's what that's the Garoppolo effect again. So um, they can continue to build this roster. And we talked about the skill position guys and, you know, still building the offensive line, uh, more talent around the entire team will continue to be added. So to me, they're ahead of schedule. And so just keep adding pieces, keep drafting. Well, I think that's the key to this team sticking around for, for really a long time. And like you mentioned uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo factor. So playoff lock, what has to happen for this team to be a playoff lock? Um, They need enough pass rush to allow their, their secondary to, um, you know, to be able to excel. So I guess, I guess, I guess I may be cheating there. But uh, but I, I guess it's two two different things. They, they need their you know their secondary to play well enough in combination with their pass rush so the teams can't pass against them because you know the, I think the Fortnite is going to put a lot of points on the uh, on the scoreboard this year with Grapple under under center. Um, they're I mean the passing offense is going to be it, it looks like it's going to be good. It looks like it's going to be a an up, upgrade from last year with the addition you know with Garcon coming back to the team. Um, Probably uh, you know two new, new wide receivers. Um, you know one of one of the better pass catching uh, backs in the league. I mean I think that they're going to have a potent offense. Um, they're just going to need to stop other uh, uh, other teams from uh, being able to put as many points as they do. Uh, so I think that you know hopefully they'll be playing from ahead a lot more than they did uh, last year. And uh, if, that, if that's the uh, the case, then then the uh, the pass rush and then the secondary, which is. I mean, the secondary really has the potential to be really good, or or could you know could be a huge question mark depending on you know, you know if, if Sherman comes comes back and, and you know like I said he's a ninety percent guy, then um, I think they're going to be in good shape. And uh, yeah, if, if he if Sherman can play well enough that they're tar- trying to target Witherspoon, when last year there's did you know other teams to do everything they could to throw away from Witherspoon, then the 49ers is going to be in, in very good shape for the upcoming year. But yeah, they need um, you know, they need Colbert to have a, 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 another um, good season after his uh, his rookie year. They need Tart Ward to stay healthy, finish. So um, just enough pass rush to, uh, to you know to keep teams from just be able to go into uh, to wide sets and throw all of the field. But you know, the the addition of all these uh, these uh, potential cornerbacks, um, you know, through the draft and then uh, and then as uh, undrafted free agents, um, they definitely have a lot of um, guys who have the potential. To be uh, to be starters in the league, it's it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I think this season more than uh, in anyone anyone recently that, that the secondary is really gonna be interesting to look at to see to see if you know if, if Sherman is the guy he was before, and then w- which one of those youngsters uh, steps up into a uh, into a prominent role. So I'm excited to see that this preseason. And one of the things, and you're right, those those go together. So uh, along with a, an improved interior rush, even if the outside rush isn't otherworldly um, covering a little bit longer will help those guys turn those pressures into sacks, get that step closer. And then those things work together. That's a great point because it's easy to forget. And I forgot to add this to the, uh, when I did the podcast about the 49ers secondary is that Dante Johnson started 16 games last year and he's long gone now. And so this is a, they, a much improved secondary just with young guys developing and then adding that veteran presence in uh, Richard Sherman. Yeah, I mean, just you know, looking back at their secondary last year, just, it was it, depending on which bad corner they had on the field, is you know, it's the one that they, that uh, opposing teams targeted. And then you know, sometimes there were multiple bad corners on the field. So getting rid of those guys, and then you know, and then uh, Witherspoon was uh, he definitely progressed a lot quicker than I than I thought he was he was going to after mm-hmm. watching his college film. And I thought I saw a lot of potential there, but you know, I was definitely concerned by his. Uh, 
his lack of interest uh, defensively yeah. in the run game and yeah, me too. the physical aspects of it. But man, I mean, he got to the NFL level, and I've seen the opposite. I mean, he, he put, puts his nose in there, and he's, uh, he's, a, he's a physical guy. So um, yeah, definitely excited uh, to see the way that he progressed uh, the second half of last season. Um, you know, but you know, in, in your second year, you have a lot more tape on you, um, and I mean. That, Provided that Sherman's healthy, he, he's you know Witherspoon is going to be targeted a lot, a lot more this year than he was last year. Um, so yeah, he, he's definitely definitely an interesting player to watch. He could really uh, be an influential point, part of the uh, the defense if, it, if it's an extremely uh, strong secondary this year. That is Chris Wilson. You can find his writings at LockedOn49ers.com. Uh, Chris, as well, uh, yeah, you're writing in some other places. Can you tell the folks where to find that stuff? Um, yeah, I've read a handful of places. Um, I do some work in Niner Noise, uh, 49ers Web Zone. Basically, uh, all of all of the uh, all the the essential Niners sites that you go to after you go to uh, lockedon49ers.com. Right. Just go to lockedon49ers.com. Put on the podcast. Read Chris's stuff, and then you can check out all of his other work as well. Doing great stuff out there. Find him on Twitter at cga wilson. Chris, thank you so much for joining the show. Look forward to those uh, defense overviews and then uh, as we get on to the season all kinds of uh, content that you're throwing out there great work i love reading it and uh, thanks again for joining the show great thank you sir i appreciate it anytime that's going to do it for this episode of the show thanks again to chris for joining me here thanks everybody for listening tomorrow nick winkler will be joining me it's going to be a winky thursday this week and we will hit that mailbag and we'll have uh, all the latest news coming out of training camp. Probably won't be a lot from day one since they won't be practicing quite yet on Wednesday. But uh, we will be monitoring all the happenings and breaking them down here daily on the podcast. So tomorrow's show, Winky Thursday. Come back and join us right here on Locked on 49ers.